Hello and welcome into Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA. Thank you for watching us on the We the Patriots USA Rumble channel and Red Voice Media, and for listening on New Hampshire Family Radio, WLMW 90.7 FM, Manchester, New Hampshire, KKVV Radio in Las Vegas, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like us on your station, email us at Taryn at We the Patriots USA.org. We the Patriots USA making national headlines recently within just this past week, filing a lawsuit, a Second Amendment lawsuit in the state of Connecticut. This is the first Second Amendment lawsuit that We the Patriots USA has taken on, and they are uh, more than equipped. We're super uh, excited and very happy that they are coming alongside people in the state of Connecticut to help them continue to win back uh, many of their rights. You've heard on this show how we've talked about the state of Connecticut because our co-founders, Brian Festa and Don Jolly at We the Patriots USA really have you know eyes and ears on the ground there in the state. And immediately after We the Patriots, or excuse me, after the state of Connecticut took away the right for religious exemptions for school-aged children from vaccines in the state of Connecticut, Brian and Don were right there. They filed a lawsuit to counter that, to bring back exemptions in the state. And here, once again, as the state of Connecticut is looking to dial back Second Amendment rights there in the state of Connecticut, banning open carry and um, so on and so forth. We'll, we'll dive into that right. We the Patriots USA right there trying to help set precedents across the United States and show that we are here to preserve our rights and our freedoms, including the Second Amendment right to bear arms. And you see here the ABC News headline, gun rights supporters sue Connecticut after Governor signs bill with an open carry ban. So we're going to we're going to dive into that. Uh, we the Patriots USA eyes and ears on the ground immediately after Governor Lamont signed that into law. We the Patriots USA filed this brief, which you can check out at we the Patriots USA.org. And Brian Festa is going to be joining myself and Don Jolly later on in this show. And he has, uh, you can see his uh, his statement up on the screen here. If you're watching us on Rumble or Red Voice Media, I love what he says here. And he, I'm going to cut right to the middle of this because he says, although the bill was passed by radical anti-gun activists in the Connecticut legislature under the auspices of enhancing public safety, it does just the opposite. With crime rates soaring in the state, this law strips the law-abiding citizens of Connecticut of their right to defend themselves and their families. And that's kind of the theme that we're going to be talking about here because so many of us have been on this journey where we're, we're seeing and waking up to, because of COVID, the way that they're chipping away at our rights. Dawn Jolly, co-founder of We the Patriots USA, she's going to take us on her journey. I think it's so important that people hear her journey and how she arrived to want to defend Second Amendment rights, like uh, getting back that the open carry in the state of Connecticut. She, at one point, supported uh, banning ghost guns in the state. And so she wants to address that here on our show, exclusively address that and take us through her journey. I know so many of you out there have a similar journey where you're you're arriving at and figuring, uh, figuring all this out. You're waking up and seeing how they're chipping away 
at all of this. So first, we're going to talk to Don Jolly, and then we're going to talk to Brian Festa about this lawsuit and about the various ways that um, the Second Amendment is being chipped away at throughout the United States and particularly in the state of Connecticut with this. So let's first hear from our awesome sponsors here on Faithful Freedom. This episode is brought to you by The Carnivore Bar, providing a fuel source for ancestral, carnivore, paleo, and keto eaters who value their on-the-go autonomy without sacrificing quality nutrition. Visit carnivorebar.com for more information. This episode is brought to you by The Freedom People, providing comprehensive solutions for individuals and businesses to take control and protect their freedoms. Visit thefreedompeople.org to reclaim your freedoms. Where do we go from here? Because the battle has just begun. As eyes open, we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives, asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers, educating ourselves and forging a new path forward. Hear from real people faithfully pursuing freedom. This is Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA, a nonprofit 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our God-given inalienable rights. Welcome in to the show, Don. It's so awesome. I just saw you at the mm-hmm. We the Patriots USA National Conference in Boise, where We the Patriots USA is headquartered. But you all had eyes and ears on the ground in the state of Connecticut and were ready to go and counter uh, with this lawsuit. But I'm just so excited because you're going to share your journey with us here today, uh, your journey on how you have developed your, your thoughts and your feelings behind the Second Amendment. Hi, Taryn. Thank you so much for having us on. It's awesome to see you, although it's much better seeing you in person and actually being able to be together and and co-host that together. And it was such a pleasure having you there. Um, It was funny because actually behind the scenes, as we were running the whole conference, you know, Brian was busy writing things up for this and I was busy reading everything and we were drafting and and editing and, you know, in the midst of running around in between all the different speakers and everything else. It was a little chaotic, um, but we're grateful that we were, you know, well poised to attack this issue immediately as soon as it was filed. So, I mean, it was a blessing that we were able to pull that off. So all glory to him as always. He makes it possible, right? I know we couldn't do it without the Lord, especially you guys, because it's just, it's literally just you and Brian running We the Patriots USA and, you know, all your faithful volunteers there behind you and your supporters. But I think it's so important that people realize that you guys need some help. You know, here you are at your national conference doing all of this. And if you had in-house legal counsel to help you draft up this lawsuit while you're in the midst of doing your various other duties with We the Patriots USA, that would help. That would help um, as well, you know, as you move forward with this and various lawsuits. So people, I'm going to let people know they can go to wethepatriotsusa.org to donate and prayerfully support our various missions here, especially um, one of our, our missions to defend the Second Amendment. Don, let's dive into this because I think, you know, you and I are both moms and any moms or parents listening to this, um, we see the news stories all the time of the, the gun violence, whether it's in our schools or, um, you know, in the, the public places that we go to. And I think that the media 
plays so much on our emotions with that in regards to um, gun violence and um, and gun laws. And so I think so many people were maybe on one side of this this issue until COVID came around and um, they saw how they all the various rights were being chipped away at and they realized how important this second amendment right really is to have tell people take people on your journey of of your second amendment thoughts and feelings absolutely well where do i even begin i mean i guess i could start when i was a baby and uh, my mom was a civilian for the nypd my stepdad's retired NYPD. I have several cousins that were NYPD because I'm from New York City, in case people didn't know that by now. Um, I myself was in the military. My ex-husband was in the military. My brother was in the military. I had uncles that served in Vietnam, the Korean War, a grandfather stationed in Guam. I mean, I can go on and on. We're, we're heavily um, centered law enforcement slash uh, military family. My soon-to-be son-in-law is also in the Navy, um, and he's going into law enforcement when he gets out. So, I mean, we're surrounded, right? We're all there. So I just want to set it clear on the record. I've never been anti-2A. I have trained myself. I have qualled at different levels. I love to go shooting. I don't have enough time to do it as much as I would love to, but I love to shoot. My kids love to shoot. Um, we, I was never anti-2A. So I just want to make that very clear up front, uh, front and center. So what I wasn't aware of, though, because it has been, as you mentioned, as a mother going on this journey, you know, I started my parenting journey very young. I was 19. Um, I was still on active duty in the military. And I started with health. So my first thing was, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have a child. I eat awful. Nobody in my family eats well. I was eating, you know, pop tarts and toaster strudels and drinking Pepsi. And I literally went practically overnight from that to like sprouted nuts and berries and, you know, <laughs> kefir. And, <laughs> and that's where I focused my journey was in health. And at first it was just nutrition. And then I learned about vaccines because I was like, well, what else is important? What do I need to know? Oh, we need to know about breast milk because formula is really bad for babies. Everybody in my family was formula fed. I was formula fed. I thought that babies all got bottles and pacifiers. I knew nothing else. I knew uh, that babies belonged in cribs and I didn't know about co-sleeping. I was the first and only person in my family to co-sleep. Um, so it was really getting on the attachment parenting boards and learning about what natural parenting, you know, uh, God designed parenting looks like. And I had no concept of that in real life. It was all just online message forums. It was literally just the AOL group that kind of got me started on that journey and La Leche League. And then once I learned about vaccines, that's when I really took off. And basically my entire life until 2019-ish, uh, moving more into 2020, certainly by the time we started We the Patriots, I was only focused on medical freedom. I wasn't concerned with really anything else. Um, I wasn't a big fan of politics uh, and I'm still not, to be honest, I follow all the issues and I'm very active, but I honestly hate it all. I wish that we didn't have this two-party system. I think it's all a joke and a farce, to be honest. And I hate to say that. I'm sure I'll irritate some people with that, but I'm pretty good at that apparently, which is why I'm here in the first place. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's a dog and pony show as far as I'm concerned. It's two wings of the same bird. One wing seems to be more damaged than the other, but they both have their faults and flaws and I call them out equally. Um, and so I think a lot of people that, I think a lot of people are arriving at that same 
uh, conclusion with you as well, especially, again, we keep pointing back to COVID. COVID was the ultimate, you know, eye opener for so many of us. And once you start to go down the medical freedom route, as you have, you start to really, um, that is a, that is a door to opening and exposing so many other issues um, that need to be addressed here in America. Exactly. And and the that's, world. that's where it started and, and remained for me for a very long time. I just dug so deep into the research, started reading scientific studies and just really educating on myself on that, as well as continuing on the nutritional path and, and things like that. So I didn't start getting into um, like even my faith. My faith is a newer journey as well. I mean, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school. I walked away from the Lord and all of that when I was 17 and I joined the Navy um, and it took me a really long time to find, find my way back home. I was the prodigal daughter for a very long time and didn't re-enter um, into a relationship with the Lord. And I didn't follow him, quite frankly, at all until late 2021. So that's a newer journey for me, too. Um, I think a lot of people, like you said, have been waking up the last few years. And many of us just dive in headfirst and immerse ourselves. And that's basically what ended up happening on this issue as well, um, as, as regards to the Second Amendment. I always believe that people should have the right to defend themselves, uh, to feed their families if they want to hunt or whatever the case may be. I never had a problem with that. Um, I'm heavily pro 2A, but what I did not realize is, well, one, I didn't realize the government was as corrupt as it was. I focused all my efforts on the CDC and the FDA and the USDA, and then slowly started making my way through the rest of the alphabet agencies before I realized they were all corrupt. Um, but the ATF just wasn't on my radar. Um, I wasn't focused on the FBI and the CIA. I just, it wasn't on my radar. I wasn't paying attention to it. I knew things were fishy with 9-11 and it took me quite a long time to piece that together. Um, but again, it wasn't my priority. My priority was being a mom and making sure that my kids were as healthy as could be. So that was where I focused literally all of my energy was health for my kids. That was my number one. Um, so, um, I never, for the record, I was never against open carry. I was never against concealed carry. So even if I still felt the same way about what I testified against and in support of, um, it didn't have anything to do with the lawsuit that we're filing at all, because I don't believe there should be restrictions on open carry, concealed carry, um, purchasing ammo, purchasing weapons, any of that kind of stuff. Never have, never will. My stance will never change on that. And that I can proudly tell you. Um, but what I didn't realize back then, because, you know, the educational system has been what it's been for quite some time, and we had no deep dive into the history of America and how it was founded, or what happened in Argentina, or in England, or Brazil, or in Cuba, or in China, or in Russia, or anywhere else, I was woefully um, uninformed and ignorant as to what happened in different countries when they lost their gun rights and when they lost other rights. I didn't know any of that. I'm self-taught on all of that. And I didn't even start researching that until late 2019, which is over a year after um, I submitted that written testimony. So let me just quickly go to that portion. Um, I had just had my third child. So I was a new mom again, because the age gap between my older two and my little one is quite significant middle child um, is actually 12 years older than her little sister. And she was the one that was there to hold her first and, and catch her and, and all of that, which is a beautiful thing. Um, and my second home birth. But uh, I had just had my little one and we had just moved to Connecticut recently. And 
obviously everybody had heard about the whole Sandy Hook incident. It was in the news. It was being highlighted front and center. Um, again, it wasn't an issue I was following. I didn't follow Alex Jones at the time. I wasn't hearing anything from that point of view. I didn't know anyone in Connecticut. I was literally brand new. And I was at the playground with my little one, pushing her into baby swing and stopped to nurse her for a couple of minutes. And a mom came over to me with a clipboard and a pen. And she asked me to sign a petition. She was from Moms Demands Action. And she dove into this whole story about how she lost her kid at Sandy Hook. Um, I believe it was a kindergartner. Um, it was just, it was a heart wrenching story. And what mom wouldn't feel a tug on their heartstrings as you're holding your tiny infant and hearing from a mom who lost her child. I didn't know. I still don't know all the details around that. I haven't spent a ton of time diving into that. I'm familiar with both sides of the story. I don't know where the truth really lies. Um, but nonetheless, mom to mom, I was like, oh, my goodness, that's awful. And my first line of thinking, the way she described it, because quite frankly, I wasn't even familiar with the term ghost guns. I didn't even know what bump stock was at the time. So sorry, I was ignorant about it. I literally didn't know. And the way she explained it to me made it sound like any reasonable person would think that that's not necessary. Why in the world would you need a gun that doesn't have a serial number? Why couldn't you just go purchase one? Why, you know what I mean? Like my my line of thinking at that point, not knowing that the entire government was as corrupt as it is, was, well, I have nothing to hide. Like if I want to buy a gun, I'll just go to the gun store. I'll fill out the paperwork. I'll go through the whole background check process and I'll get a new gun. I'll get as much ammo as I want and we're good to go. I think so many people feel that way too. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about um, why, you know, there might be other reasons to, to rethink that um, here in a moment. But I think so many people feel that way too. They're like, okay, we're, we're law abiding citizens. You know, we have nothing to hide. Why can't we have a gun with a serial number? But then all of a sudden, you know, and I, like I said, we'll, we'll dive into this in a minute, but when you start to get other rights taken away from you, you start to realize, oh, okay, um, my wheels are going to turn a little bit more on why these Second Amendment, these broader Second Amendment rights are so important. So, right. um, so yeah, you, back in 2018, you were prompted by this, this mother who gave her heart-wrenching story to give testimony about banning ghost guns in Connecticut, correct? Yes, and it was also bump stocks. Um, I don't recall mm -hmm. the exact bill numbers of this Point, but there were two different bills. One was for ghost guns. One was for bump stocks. And she asked after I signed the petition and she described her whole story and everything else. And she said, well, we're a grassroots organization. We're a bunch of moms just trying to, you know, make sure our kids are safe and that they can go to school and not have to worry about being killed. And I mean, <laughs> who's going to argue against that? I was a yeah. grassroots activist myself. I didn't have an organization back then. I had just been an activist for almost 20 years at that point. Um, now I'm at the 21 year mark, but uh, that was a few years back. So I'd been doing the same thing as just a mom trying to do the best thing for my kids and other people's kids when they were unaware of something. So I figured, well, I don't know very much about this issue. Apparently this woman knows way more than I do. I shouldn't, I guess I shouldn't have trusted her without doing the research, but it also seemed like a perfectly reasonable thing. If she would have came to me and said, Hey, we need to ban guns in the state of Connecticut. I would have been like, sorry, lady, sorry, what happened to your kid, but I'm never going to agree to that. That's not what she said. She said, you know, do people really need to have a gun that doesn't have a serial number? Do you think that that's reasonable? And I was like, well, I mean, I guess I can't really think of a reason why that would be necessary. So I guess not. Um, I don't know. Didn't cross my mind to even consider anything else because what she said made sense. And um, I went home and, and talked to 
you know, the rest of my family about it and everybody else was in agreement. They were like, yeah, I think that's reasonable. So the woman, you know, she had taken down my phone number and stuff. When I signed the petition, it was all um, in, in my profile or whatever it was. And she sent me a link to the bills and she said, um, you know, would you be willing to testify? And I was like, yeah, why not? So I wrote written testimony. I didn't show up at the, the Capitol that day. Um, I didn't, wasn't able to do that. And again, that wasn't like my primary issue when it's a vaccine bill. I was there. It didn't matter what I had to do to rearrange in my life. I was there. Cause that's my main passion issue, which has now evolved to many different passion issues. But at the time that was my focus. Um, and anyway, so I submitted written testimony and I think it was a handful of paragraphs, probably three or four paragraphs, just saying who I am, you know, why this was prompted. Um, and I can't imagine why anyone needs this and blah, 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 signed it was done. Never even thought about it again. Uh, and it didn't resurface until a few weeks ago or not even a few weeks ago, like less than a week ago uh, when we filed this case and then somebody online found it, which is great. People are doing their due diligence. I have no problem with that. I'm not trying to hide anything. Um, I did what I thought was best at the time. And, you know, sometimes you learn the hard way and it is what it is, but I mean, I'm not going to apologize for not knowing everything about every topic and that I've now decided. And over the last few years have decided to educate myself more on this topic. And I have a different, you know, opinion at this point in my life. And I have for several years now. So I think it's just like going back to medical freedom. There are plenty of parents. I would say almost all of the parents I am aware of in the medical freedom movement got there, not on purpose. Uh, they didn't mean to, their child was injured and they learned the hard way. And, um, I think I could say that's probably true for about 90% of the medical community, uh, medical freedom community, at least as far as all the people I've met, which is tens of thousands of people at this point in time. Um, I could say the same about a lot of pro-life activists as well. Like a lot of them were raised Christian or raised whatever they were raised and they had those values instilled in them as a child. But a ton of the people I know, including one of our amazing speakers at the conference, Abby Johnson, uh, she came out of Planned Parenthood. She herself had abortions. She was an advocate for that. She thought that she was doing the right thing at the time. And she absolutely learned that wasn't the case. And look what she's done with her life. She has allowed that, you know, like God does. He takes, you know, he takes ashes and he gives us beauty from it. And that's what he has allowed and, and allowed to flourish in Abby's life. I mean, look at the platform she's created and look how many lives she's touched and saved because of that. I think it's important that people recognize, you know, we're all on this journey. We're all in different parts of our journey. We all have our own paths to walk. I mean, there's only one path to heaven, but there are many different paths here on earth and, you know, different experiences and opinions and emotions and facts and all sorts of stuff, you know, wake us up at whatever point in our journeys that we might wake up to different things. And this was my path for this. So I love that you're sharing your story. And um, that's so much of what we do here on Faithful Freedom is share, you know, people are familiar with my my journey and how I was thrust into um, the freedom movement in general and medical freedom um, more specifically as well. Um, and so many of us are on various parts. And so this show is here to help go on that journey with everyone else to help continue to educate ourselves and to ask questions and to challenge our, 
our viewpoints. And, um, and I just so commend that you guys are telling your story, Don, through, um, through this new lawsuit that you guys have issued in the state of Connecticut to, to strike down their open carry and um, other, it's a long laundry list of um, various ways that they're trying to limit the Second Amendment in the state of Connecticut. And I think it's just so great that you're you're sharing your journey and you're also um, you're also helping and standing up for people's freedoms and rights at the same time while you do it. Um, while we're gonna before we bring on Brian, let's talk a little bit about why it is that. Um, you would want to have a fully encompassed Second Amendment freedoms and rights in this country and not have things like, uh, you know, restrictions on open carry or ghost guns or things like that. How did you arrive to that conclusion? Because I think some people are probably on that very path that you found yourself on just a year or two ago. Yeah, it's been several years now. It's been since I'd say late 2019, mid to late yeah. 2019, um, when when I started diving more deeply into this and then really got a wake up call during COVID. Um, but it basically came down to me studying the Constitution. I didn't been taught the Constitution. Obviously, everybody knows what it is. Uh, we're supposed to, uh, you know, know all about it in the military. But do they really teach you all about the military? No, you take an oath, you have to repeat it. But does anybody even know what they're repeating, especially at 17? No, especially if you're uh, not homeschooled or going to uh, a certain kind of school that would actually teach you about it. So it took me, again, educating myself to find out that, number one, uh, our right to defend ourselves is God-given because our rights are inalienable. And the 2A does not grant us rights. What it does is put in the explicit um, directive, basically, that our government cannot take away our rights from us. It's just like freedom of speech. Um, first and Second Amendment, they're first and second for a reason, right? Freedom of religion, freedom of the press, all of those. They're so important. I don't think people realize how invaluable they are. The Constitution isn't just some document. Um, our founding fathers, quite frankly, I believe were geniuses to even think through what might be coming down the pike, you know, so many years later. But that's precisely what they're aiming to do. Like this agenda is so obvious now. I don't think it was very obvious to most people. Some of us, yes. Some of us, no. Some of us knew one part and not the other. Um, you know, I know people who have been in this fight for 40 years. Uh, you know, Gary Null and Mike Adams and Robert Scott Bell, who, who was also a speaker at our conference last week. Or, yeah, um, it, it's it's crazy how much information some people were privy to, but even those people, I'm sure if we were interviewing them right now, they would say that they've grown so much over the last couple of decades. They've learned more because if you're not growing, quite frankly, you're stagnant and you're dying. I mean, that's just the way I see it. I don't think learning is something that happens in educational environment only. Um, I think at this point in time, it's almost quite the opposite. I think indoctrination is what occurs, not true education. And I think if something doesn't, cause you to seek that information yourself, unless you're blessed with parents or family members who are ready on that path and willing to guide you and teach you, something has to happen to ignite that within you. And that's a different something for all of us. Um, but basically, it's just me studying the Constitution and, and getting more involved in that community. I'm still not as involved in that community as I want to be. You know, we tackle so many different things we can only do, but so much like you said earlier, just two of us running this organization with 
you know, a handful of absolutely incredible and dedicated volunteers that we would literally fall on our faces if we didn't have. Uh, so many people, uh, we're just so blessed to have the team that we have. But, you know, Brian and I are juggling this in addition to our, you know, regular lives with sick kids and this and that and everything else, just like every other human on the planet. We're doing our best. We're learning every day. We're growing every day. We're taking feedback as we can. And we're just being open and honest about where we are and where we're heading. Um, so I would hope that people, you know, could understand that and respect that. I think um, so many people can level with you on that and uh, really appreciate you telling your story. I mean, I know I, for one, um, completely understand the evolution of your journey. And after I kind of highlighted at the beginning of the show, what we've seen, the state of Connecticut is a really um, is a really is really a microcosm for what we have seen in uh, the United States, starting uh, with COVID and the pandemic on how they really uh, took away our rights in um, in the name of a so-called pandemic at the time and how those continued to to linger, uh, you know, as time went on. And so we were seeing a chipping away of those those rights nationally. And then Connecticut has really stayed uh, true to that path. And like I like I mentioned earlier, how they took away the exemptions, the religious exemptions from vaccines um, in the state. And now here they are trying to chip away at the Second Amendment rights in, in the state. And so when you start to see all of your rights slowly start to, to be chipped away at, you really understand the importance of the Second Amendment and the importance of your right to bear arms, your right to defend yourself. And, um, you know, people in Australia, they saw that first firsthand, right? They had had their Second Amendment right taken away, you know, their right to bear arms taken away from them. And they lived in essentially a police state during the right. pandemic where they had, you know, police officers out there um, and various uh, parties that were that were pressuring, that were using violence against people to take away their rights to enforce these um, restrictions on the people. And they had no way to defend themselves, no way uh, to stand up and, and push back. And, you know, obviously, you know, you never want to to go straight to to using firearms, but, you know, it is an important part. And we're also seeing it in Canada, right? You know, so mm -hmm. Canada is that so many of their rights have been taken away in Canada, including taking away their, their, uh, their firearms. And so, you know, uh, people, people now are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place up in Canada as they see their, their rights slowly trickling away. So I know that is at the true heart of, you know, why you guys are defending this is, is to allow Americans to have that freedom and to for for this this country to be run by we the people and um, and not the government. And so, thank you for sharing your story and and your evolution and how you got there. And as uh, we bring in Brian, I'm going to bring up one more time our donate button because Bra Bra uh, excuse me because Don and Brian highlighted how they need help and how they really need your donations here to continue and to support this Second Amendment lawsuit. Brian, welcome into the show. Thank you for having me again, Taryn. Let me just adjust my camera to try to make it look like I have a real background here. You do. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you zoomed out, you would have seen my, uh, my gun safe there. So yes. um, absolutely, it's right <laughs> here in my office, not to give too much away, but 
Um, you know, we are staunch supporters of the right to keep and bear arms. And uh, we actually want to expand it uh, beyond even the limits that have been defined by the United States Supreme Court. Yeah. We think, uh, you know, the, the right to defend ourselves and the right just to, you know, like I said, have weapons in our possession and use them for any lawful means necessary uh, should be completely unrestricted. The government has no place coming in and tell us, telling us what kind of firearm we can have in our home. And you'll have those crazy people on the other side of the argument start making, you know, uh, start uh, making uh, suggestions that, oh, do you want to have a missile launcher? You know, one of those shoulder uh, sh shoulder hoist missile launchers. Do you want to have nuclear weapons in your home as if any ordinary citizens ever going to get a hold of one of those? Uh, just completely, uh, you know, ridiculous, uh, fallacious arguments and comparisons. But oh, I have um, a good one for you. How about yeah. how about ARs? You know, the AR doesn't stand for assault rifle, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the company Armalite. It's just like right, how we talk about a Kleenex is a tissue or, you know, chapstick. That's actually Pfizer's product. It's not chapstick, it's lip balm or whatever you want to call it. But Armalite was the, the primary manufacturer of ARs. So it's just kind of funny. It's like, just like, it, it's like, what's the woman? What is a woman argument, right? Matt Walsh right. highlighted that. They're just constantly trying to move the bar. And even when you ask the director of the ATF, well, what is it, AR? What, what does that even mean? Can you define an assault rifle? They can't define it. You know why? Because they don't want to. They want to be able to continuously move the bar and have this shifting target so that they can take away all of our rights as the pot is slowly boiling and people aren't paying attention. And, right. you know, as as people are familiar with the fact that, you know, vaccine uh, passports were really waved out there in front of us as, as American people, that that was a possibility. And so many people um, encountered those and had to use those to go to concerts and and various things like that as uh, myself, a mom who. <laughs> yeah. And myself as a mom who has had to take her child out of the shots system in the state of Florida. So they're not tracking or keeping track of what vaccines or not vaccines that you're giving your child, because we know that those various things can lead to uh, discrimination and to them restricting your rights, where you can go, what you can purchase, where you, your kids can go to school and all this various things. That also applies to why you would want to have privacy on the types of firearms that you might be getting um, and purchasing and having in your home for your protection. Um, because, you know, I think so many people are weary of the government having a target and on on certain people or um, having the ability to, to restrict other ways that you're able to uh, move about as a citizen. So I salute right, you guys like for getting a permit, for instance, I'm completely yeah. against that. I don't need your permission to have a, a firearm. That's my right. God gave that to me not the government, and they can't take it away. So like Brian said before, we're not just trying to retain the rights that we have. That's that's part of our mission here at We the Patriots. We're not just fighting to maintain the rights that we have. We're fighting to get back all the ones that we lost in the first place because it wasn't their right to take it away from us. They didn't give it to us. Every state in this country should have constitutional carry. There should be no permits for concealed or open carry. Everyone should be able to carry. Every adult should be able to carry a weapon. And listen, you know, People, I'm going to get pushback on that. And even the Supreme Court has talked about reasonable restrictions on, on, on you know, firearms and possession and in order to protect public safety. But the onus is on them. Show me government 
one credible, unbiased study that has proven that stricter gun laws increase public safety. There's not one. There's not Look one that exists ever Chicago's in the world. Example. In the world, Chicago is a perfect example. Everybody uses it, but you look anywhere, Chicago, Washington, D.C., New York City. It's it's almost impossible to get a firearms permit in New York City, as you know, Don. There's only like 500 in the whole city, okay? Um, It's almost, and unless you have connections like your Sean Hannity who has one, you're not getting one, okay? Um, So it's very, very rare. But those cities have the worst, I don't even like to call it gun violence, worst violence committed with firearms, Okay, than any places on and why is that? Because criminals don't abide by the law, and law-abiding citizens do. It's really that simple. (laughs) Right. Those laws, those reasonable, so-called reasonable restrictions, do nothing to protect public safety, and they do everything actually to decrease public safety. Because if I, as a father, cannot protect my family as a husband and father, if I'm not allowed to carry because of all your restrictions and all the hoops you made me jump through, or I'm only allowed to carry a certain amount of ammunition, and then there's some horrible, you know, act of violence, whether it's a false flag or something, you know, something orchestrated or something organic that's happening, some mass shooting. If I don't have the capability to adequately defend myself, then they have actually made ordinary, uh, God-fearing, law-abiding citizens like us less safe by yes. taking the ability to defend ourselves out of our hands. That's what we're fighting for with this lawsuit. Well, again, and I wanna... it's just like COVID all over again. <laughs> I, I'm going to address more about the legal issues here in a moment. Um, but I, before I do, Taryn, if you don't mind, I would like to say something about our organization and about our ability and how well equipped we are to take on this fight. Please right. do. Yes. I, th- I think so many people need to hear this because um, I did at the beginning of the show, let people know that this is the first Second Amendment case we, the Patriots USA, has taken on. And I say that out of excitement. And um, I know that you guys are more than capable. And it's an, ex- it's an exciting time because we, the Patriots, keeps expanding beyond just medical freedom. And, and you guys are going into so many different facets with CRT and um, transgender, transgenderism ideology and all that stuff. So Please, Brian, tell people about how you are just so equipped to take this on, because I know you are. Well, you know, from day one, this was part of our mission. All right. If you look at our mission statement on our website, which is the same as it's been from the first day that we put up our website when we first started this organization, Second Amendment rights were included there, as were environmental rights like we're seeing with the East Palestine, Ohio case. People are like, why are you getting involved in that? Or, you know, people saying, oh, you know, you're just like trying to jump into everything to stay relevant. Well, no, actually, we were involved in this stuff. We we stated from the first day we started an organization that we wanted to be involved in all this stuff. It's just that, you know, COVID took over the world. So for the first three years of our organization, uh, you know, we were getting thousands of calls a year for help. We're not just going to ignore them because we want to go on and take on a, a, a Second Amendment case. Uh, those were the most pressing cases at the time. But we always had this uh, listed in our mission statement. So that's number one. Number two, the attorneys that we have working with our organization are extremely experienced attorneys who do have experience defending constitutional rights, including Second Amendment rights. This is not their first rodeo. Um, You're talking about people we have that have collectively decades of experience and even some of them individually have, you know, three decades of experience or more uh, working in the federal uh, judiciary and have a lot of experience. And, And listen, 
when you're a lawyer, it, listen, there are different niches, right? There's different niches. I'm not a bankruptcy attorney. I'm not a real estate attorney. I'm not a criminal defense attorney. I would be out of my element in those places. Uh, but fighting for constitutional rights, uh, all right, and the federal rules of civil procedure and what you have to do in federal court, um, I'm not saying every case is the same. And, and if you've done one case, you've done them all. I'm not going to go that far. But I'm going to say that, listen, if you're in federal court and you're a constitutional rights attorney and you've been doing it for a few decades, uh, you know how to interpret a statute. Right. You know how to research case law. You know how to listen to all the other arguments that have been made and build upon them. It doesn't matter if this is your first case or your uh, 50th or 100th case. Um, if you're a competent attorney who's been successful and has won a lot of victories in court for constitutional rights, you're going to do pretty well. And those are the kinds of attorneys we have on our team. And listen, this kind of idea, somebody actually had the gall when we announced this to post online that, oh, uh, you have to look at the National Gun Rights uh, Association and the Gun Owners of America and the NRA, which I have other things to say about them. You have, they're the yeah. ones that... Hold on, Don. I know I got to hold her back when I mention the NRA, but you know they put out these acronyms, these alphabet soup sort of acronyms. Where, does, where have we heard that before? And say mm -hmm. they're the ones who are the experts. Stick with them. Don't support we the Patriots USA. What a horrible sort of cultish thing to say. Okay, there's it's almost like a cult with some of these other organizations that, uh, or a click maybe is a better word, like a high school click or middle school maybe click, where it's like, okay, these are the ones, these are our heroes, these are the ones who have fought and won. So we're going to shut out any other organization from getting into the fray. Well, then anyone who's saying that does not support Second Amendment rights, sir or madam. If you are saying we, the Patriots USA, should not be in this fight. You don't support Second Amendment rights because the bottom line is one or two or three organizations cannot do it all. And if they could do it all, we wouldn't be in the position we're in. If the NRA and GOA and organizations like that had already won and had already taken this country back and given us all of our rights, Governor Lamont wouldn't have signed the bill he just did restricting banning open carry and banning, uh, you know, so-called assault rifles, which, as Don said, is a misnomer and banning the sale uh, of handguns and things like that. Uh, we wouldn't have Congress proposing, you know, other bans on things like bump stocks and ammunition sales and, you know, everything else. We would not be in the position we are as a country if those organizations were all we needed. We need as many organizations, well-funded, well-intentioned, experienced in the law and experienced in the fight for constitutional rights, generally jumping into the Second Amendment fight. Because, listen, we don't have enough people doing it right now. We don't have enough attorneys doing it right now. And I hate to say it. I'm not going to name names. Uh, there are people involved. I'm not specifically talking about attorneys or uh, lobbyists or anybody in particular. But there are people involved, as I'm sure you won't be shocked to hear, in the fight for uh, so-called you know, uh, gun rights or Second Amendment rights that are not well-intentioned, that are compromised, that are doing it for the wrong reasons, that are actually working for the opposition all well, the while. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but how about yeah. when uh, NRA's upper echelons push Mitt Romney over Ron Paul? When right. back then, Romney was banning firearms that were legal in other states. So I mean, we don't, that's just we don't endorse any candidate. But if we ever were going to form a political organization, a C4 or something like that, you can better believe Mitt Romney would not be on our list to endorse. Right. Um, and, and listen, I'm a listen what about you know, red flag I mean, laws. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's insane. And people still throw millions of dollars at them. Um, you know what's going to shut everyone up, though, Taryn, is when we bring this case to the United States Supreme Court and we win it, because that's what's going to happen. 
Um, and 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 then I don't. Th- I, then you're going to hear crickets from those naysayers, those people that said you shouldn't trust them or they don't know what they're doing. Once we get to the Supreme Court and we win, um, but listen, in order for us to do that, as you mentioned, Taryn, we do need funding. Okay, uh, we do need people uh, to you know support our mission, see all the other great work we've done in all these other areas of the law. Um, and that should be proof enough because we have been winning victories. We have been filing lawsuits all over the country. We've put our money where our mouths are, and that should be proof enough. Um, but listen, if it takes a Supreme Court victory uh, to really win over the rest of them, then I guess that's what it's going to take, right? So be it. Yeah, Let God do what he does. Exactly. Brian, take us through uh, the details of the the lawsuit and um, your guys' filing, which I'm going to bring up on the screen one more time for, for people to see here. Take us through the details. Yeah, so that's the complaint. And by the way, that's another thing that sometimes people complain about is they like, oh, how do we know these guys are really doing what they're doing? Well, that's the actual court filing. We link whenever we have a major press release a major announcement, a major court hearing. We always link to the documents right in our press announcements and our in our email announcements and our social media announcements. We link to the actual federal complaint so everybody can read it. So I'm glad that you put it up on the screen so that people can see that it's right there in black and white. But yeah, um, so what we are uh, challenging here in particular, now this law does a lot of things, all right, a lot of bad things, but the things uh, in particular that our plaintiffs are ch- are challenging, and we are the lead plaintiff as as well. We're a plaintiff in this lawsuit as well. But uh, the main things we're challenging are the open carry restriction as violating, of course, uh, the right to bear arms in the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. Uh, also, the Connecticut Constitution, which Article First, Section Fifteen of the Connecticut Constitution preserves a right also to to keep and bear arms. Um, the purchase limitation, uh, you can only purchase three handguns at a time. We're saying also violates both the second amendment and again, article first, section 15 of the Connecticut constitution. So when you file a case in federal court, you can also have state law or state constitutional claims, which are, uh, the court can exercise supplemental jurisdiction over those as a federal court. Um, if it's a question of first impression in state law, what they'll do is kick it back to the state Supreme court. Um, on those issues alone, but obviously they can decide the Second Amendment, uh, you know, questions themselves, uh, the the federal courts, that is. Um, And so we're seeking a declaratory judgment, uh, finding that Section 2, Sections 2 and 9 of the Act here, uh, the open carry ban section and the purchase limitation uh, violates the Second Amendment uh, of the United States Constitution, right to bear arms is unconstitutional, as well as a declaratory judgment that those same two uh, provisions of the act violate Article First, Section 15 of the Connecticut Constitution and are therefore unconstitutional under the state constitution. And then we're also seeking a permanent injunction in joining the defendant, uh, Governor Lamont and his agents from enforcing any uh, any provision of Sections 2 and 9 of this act and we'll be asking for reasonable costs and attorney's fees and any other relief that the court uh, shall deem you know, fair and equitable, the standard language that's always in the, the prayer for relief there. But um, yeah, that's what we're seeking there uh, is declar- declaratory and injunctive relief. As you notice, most of what we're seeking other than the reasonable costs and attorney's fees just to be reimbursed for our, our time, our attorney's time. Um, but other than that, this is not a money case, all right? That's another reason you know we're in it for the right reasons. We're not seeking any kind of uh, big money judgment. 
Uh, there's no monetary damages here. There's just declaratory relief and injunctive relief. Basically, we want the court to declare that it's unconstitutional and then to issue an injunction stopping the law from going into effect, stopping the law from being enforced. So um, that sh that's all the proof you need right there that we're doing this for the right reasons. Well, we well, think that you we guys... make money off any of our cases anyway. We lose money on all of them. <laughs> that's a whole nother story. For now, yeah, we do. We do. Mm -hmm. And any excess money that we would have would go in back into the nonprofit anyway. Don and I, we don't see a penny of this. Our salaries, all right, we do take, you know, listen, my salary, for instance, you know, I, I, I announced, you know, because when, when I first began, anyone who works for we, we the Patriots USA, the salary must be voted on by the board, right? Because we right. are a, a nonprofit. And so I was a volunteer for the first almost two, really two years. Of, of this over two years of this organization's existence. Um, and I worked, you know, night, day, weekends, anytime that I could to try to get this organization off the ground. It didn't take a penny. And then when I did finally oh, take a penny. During COVID, Brian was on the phone until 11 o'clock at night or midnight, many nights, six days a week, not on Sunday because he was honoring the Lord's day, but literally six days a week. And even occasionally on Sunday, if it was a life or death situation and he got on the phone because and we had people who were being uh, murdered in hospitals with COVID protocols and uh, people who were being denied things and would have died otherwise, just like how you ended up on Steve Dace with our case there. Um, yeah. So Brian was literally working around the clock for free, just like I did for a really long time as well. And not only did, were we not taking a penny, we were losing money because we have donated not only our time, but I mean, I'm a donor to my organization. <laughs> um, it's my organization. I donate to it every month. I mean, it's just on my list with all the other charities that I support. Um, Me too. Right. So, so even if, so even if someone yeah. gave us, all right, this would be wonderful and we would be very, very we happy. Could get $5 million we could, today. I was going to say 10. I was going to say Ooh. 10. Let's say, so, let's say tomorrow someone gave us $10 million. Don and I would not see a penny of that. Mm -hmm. We would have the same salaries. Everything would stay static. Okay. Yep. And that money would go into the organization to filing more lawsuits, to hiring staff. Like you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, Taryn, in-house legal counsel, other people that can help develop the organization and to expand our operations that's where all the money would go. It would not go into our pockets. So when we're on here promoting the organization and yep. you know singing for our suppers, as they used to say, um, we're doing it not for ourselves, <laughs> but for all the people that we want to help because there are so many people that are destitute, that have nowhere to turn, that can't afford attorneys. And all of the legal services we provide as a charitable organization are pro bono. We do not charge clients, okay? We are right, not, we I'm not one of those penny. rich... I, Dawn mentioned she was from New York City. There's a lot of wealthy attorneys in New York City. I'm not one of them. I'm from the Northeast originally, but I yeah, never was a wealthy. My ex made 950 an hour. Right. My ex so made 950 an hour as an attorney. We're not yeah, going to calculate. I've made $9.50 an hour, but I've never made $950 <laughs> an hour. And I, and I never will, but it's okay because I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this to help people. I want the organization to grow and be successful so we can help more people. I want the organization to get a lot more money, but I personally am not going to be, you know, driving a Rolls Royce someday. That's not unless somebody gives me one as a gift, um, which I doubt will happen. Um, but I'm not going to sell it anyway. <laughs> I probably would sell it. You know, he, that's the idea and give it, give money back to the organization because I want to see we, the Patriots grow so we can help everybody. Second amendment, 
First Amendment issues, and I'm not just talking about religious freedom, free speech, censorship right. issues, freedom of the press, freedom to assembly, uh, to assemble. Excuse me. Uh, all of those, uh, all all of those uh, rights that we hold so dear that are under attack every single day in so many ways. People say, "Oh, well, COVID's over." Well, number one, COVID's not over. But even if it were, it doesn't matter because look at all the other rights that are under attack. Look what's happening in this country right now, political persecutions of former uh, leaders, okay? Just just like, I know the term banana republic is thrown around so often, but we're becoming like a third world country like that, you know? I mean, where- where Did anybody speaking, watch Trump get arrested today? <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, right. Uh, we're not a political organization, but uh, obviously there's persecution that's going on right now that infringes on people's constitutional rights uh, that we need to address in the courts. All right. We're not the ones that are going to address it in Congress. OK, that's not our job. That's not our role here at We the Patriots USA. But we sure as heck are going to address it in the courts. Um, I just lost Don's video feed, but that's OK. We're about to wrap up anyway, I think. Yes, we are. You guys uh, are doing such amazing work. And I am just so blessed to be among your company and to um, to be a part of We the Patriots USA by doing this podcast and uh, by being a part of your national conference. That was just such a huge success. And people, I do want to highlight that people can go back on the We the Patriots USA Rumble channel and see you know, the amazing guests that we had there. You can go behind the scenes with us on both my show, Faithful Freedom, and on Kristen Megan's show, Vets and Visionaries. And you can also watch all of the individual speeches have now been posted to the We the Patriots USA Rumble channel that you can listen to Jenna Ellis, who you just saw there. You can listen to her speech. You can listen to Charlie Kirk's speech, who you're seeing there on your screen if you're watching us on Rumble or Red Voice Media. Both Don and Brian did a fabulous job putting this on. They were, while they were doing this and going up on stage and, and um, running the national conference, they were also putting together this very important Second Amendment lawsuit. So we just so appreciate you guys and everything that you are doing. And thank you for coming on and for Don, for you uh, to describe your journey. And Brian, for you to break down the, the lawsuit, because that's so important. I love the transparency. And people can also go to wethepatriotsusa.org to sign up for the newsletter so you can get uh, this breaking information when Brian and Don are announcing the lawsuits. And like you said, you're, uh, you're linking the complaints and the filings and everything so people can see right there in front of them um, what you guys are doing. And, and we have a Second Amendment legal fund that mm -hmm. we've had up for quite some time that has a goal of 250,000, all right, which is very modest, all right, if we're going to take on Second Amendment rights in every state. In fact, I was on uh, Jenna Ellis's show last week talking about this lawsuit, you know, after she came back from the conference, she had me on, and we were talking about this lawsuit, and she said, hey, you're going to help us out in Colorado? We just had a fascist mm -hmm. gun bill passed in Colorado, and I said, hey, get me a plaintiff, and we'll, we'll see what we can do, but obviously that's going to take money, so if you want us to f wage battles in all of these battleground states, these blue states, wherever uh, gun rights are under attack, anywhere and everywhere, we are going to need money, probably a lot more than $250,000, but that's a start, right? Um, so there's a legal fund, a 2A legal fund. It's actually, we have it now as the first, uh, I don't know if you've been on the last day or so, Don, but I actually reordered it, so it's actually the first feature now under the features and it when you click into it it describes about our new lawsuit in connecticut so people can see that so it's all updated now with the latest information and it, you can link to the complaint right there and donate right there so i encourage everybody to do that anybody who supports the rights to protect themselves 
please, please donate. The time is now. The time is not when the Gestapo is kicking in your door, okay, and taking away your guns from you, right. confiscating things and putting you in handcuffs. That's not the time to decide to call We the Patriots. You. Well, call us then, too, if that happens. But, you know, if, if Dawn and I aren't also, if we're not also locked up, but, um, you know, call us. We are big should targets. Should we have a fundraiser but, for that just in case? <laughs> maybe we should. Actually, that's not a bad idea. I'll talk to you offline about that after. Um, but yeah, the time is now to get ready to donate, to have those legal funds in reserve. And that's why monthly donations are so, so important. Yes. We always talk about this, but it's because we get calls and we could get call from a call from someone in Colorado, one of Jenna's listeners, who calls me tomorrow and says, listen, I want to be a plaintiff. I want to file this lawsuit. Can you do it? I'm going to have to look at our financials and see how much do we have coming in next month that we can count on that we can expect. Um, if it's not a monthly, if it's a one-time donation, Taryn, great. Right, Taryn Gregson, you know, you write a check for a thousand dollars. That's wonderful. God bless you. But I don't know that she's going to write one next month. Probably not. Maybe that'll be all she writes for the year. I can't count on that towards our budget. I can only count on what I know is, is most likely. I mean, people can cancel here and there, but uh, generally, we have a sense of what's coming in from month to month. So that's why signing up for a month, even if it's only 10 or $20 a month, it's so, so important. You get hundreds or thousands of people doing that. Okay, now I've got a significant chunk of change that I know is coming in every month. I can use that uh, assessment not only for lawsuits, but also to hire staff. If I know I have so much coming in a month, I know I'll be able to make payroll. We yes. desperately need. So we are um, asking yes. from from all of our lips to God's ears, if you would join us in prayer for that. We need the funding. We need the staff. We need to not have to turn so many people away. I mean, I can't even tell you. I had three calls back to back yesterday afternoon with people asking us to take on their cases. And Brian and I are going to sit down and and discuss the details and go over all the documentation and see what it is we can do. And, and honestly, sometimes we just help as private citizens because we can't afford to take it on as an organization, or maybe it's not something that would uh, benefit public interest because we are a public interest law firm. We don't take cases just to benefit an individual. We, we're trying to set precedence in the courts for all Americans and, and hopefully they'll even be used by someone else in international cases as well one day. But we, we can't just help one person. It has to be able to help many people. But we see that there's a need and it's not being filled and we want to be able to stand in the gaps and, and stop them from taking away our rights and regain the rights that we've lost and help more and more people on, on a daily basis. This, but we have to turn, I don't know how many people, I don't keep a list. I have no idea how many people we've had to turn away, but unfortunately it's a really high number because we just can't do it. We don't have the funds and we can't manage. I mean, we're getting thousands of emails a day. If you saw the, the list, I, I don't know if you guys can zoom in on this and how many unread uh, messages that I have, but it's uh, 80,478 emails. So <laughs> well, you heard it. Kidding. We probably, I, I know listen, you're not. We turn away more than 90%. And I, I hate to admit that statistic, but it's more than yep. 90% because even those that 10% or 8%, 9% that we end up taking on is hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Right. And we don't have more than that. We would need for those cases. In order to take on all the cases we want to, we would need tens of millions of dollars a year. Right. Um, just in the interest of, interest of full disclosure, we've done all of this with less than a million dollars a year. Um, I, I, I say that on air, Don, even if it makes you cringe, because obviously everything's public oh, and open book. people can see, people can see you can it. Go anyway. look it up yourself so, anyway. You might as well save you the few minutes it'll take to find well, it online. So. Over, yeah. li listen, over 
we have all these cases from New York to California. I can name cases in Minnesota and Michigan and New Mexico and California and Florida and Texas in uh, Massachusetts in um, uh, Nebraska and Missouri, I, the li- Idaho. The list goes on and on and on and on of the cases we filed. And we've done that on a shoestring budget. We've been able to file lawsuits and obviously have a staff of two here, uh, plus some volunteers and a couple of independent contractors. We've been able to have two launch two amazing podcasts. One of them you're watching right now, as well as, um, you know, put on an event, a national conference with an all star lineup of speakers and have documentaries, projects in the works. I mean, we've done all of that with less than a million. Can you imagine, ladies and gentlemen, if somebody out there actually has the means and actually gave us some real money to work with, like in the millions of dollars, what what this organization is doing? It would be amazing. Of the fish and the loaves, right? How God can multiply that. If he's multiplied all this, imagine what he could do with all that. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we thank you guys so much. You heard it. You guys, they did this for less than a million dollars. Let's get them up to that. Head to wethepatriotsusa.org. If you enjoy our content, prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation at wethepatriotsusa.org so we can continue to power the education arm of our mission that also extends to work to preserve and reclaim our God-given inalienable rights. God bless and thank you from everyone here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA.